1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is August 3rd, 2022. and This is episode 326. I'm joined with Kyle, by Kyle Klingman, who's up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Kyle, how the heck are you?
0: And you, you did it right. I don't know if you said Cedar Falls correct, because we have a native-born Iowan on the show, but whatever the reason, I'm happy about that.
1: I don't know what you're talking about, Kyle. I love you. <laughs> um, how's things in your world this morning?
0: It's good just uh there, there's the day after hangover from international travel have a little bit of that just being at the U17 World Championships but still buzzing from that and just excited to be on with you Mark.
1: Awesome man, Well, I'm glad you're glad you're back on track at least a little bit you're up this morning. Maybe you got up way early but um I'm excited about our guest today. He's been on several times before and it's it's always good conversation. Let's bring him on. Thomas Gilman. He's world champ last year. He's been second. He's been bronze at the Olympics um, and just overall great guy. Thomas, how are you this morning?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How yeah, are you guys?
1: I'm, I'm great, man. Kyle's a little jet lag, but whatever. He'll make it. Um, actually, so talking about U-17 cadets, whatever you want to call it, did you get a chance to, to either watch the performance or see any of the results? They, they, they kind of cleaned up, at least in, in freestyle, men's freestyle.
2: Yeah, I followed a little bit, just some, some of the highlight clips on Instagram. Um, I didn't really tune in to the matches, um, but just some of the, like, like I said, the highlights on Instagram via UWW or with you guys on flow. Um, obviously follow the results and these kids are good, man. They're, they're really good. So I'm um, I mean, happy for them, you know, guys in the juniors and seniors better watch out. You know, the, these kids they're developing quick and fast and, you know, I think it's the, the club system, right? You know, you got clubs like M2 and, and Seabold out there in Iowa. So they're really developing kids uh, at a really early age. And some of the skills that they're doing is just – it's it's really unbelievable. Um, I mean, a lot of skills that I'm not able to do as a senior-level athlete. So uh, hopefully these kids, you know, stick with it and uh, stay on the right path and, and have a lot of success in juniors and then on the seniors as well. When you say they've got – I don't
1: know, have developed skills that you have or, or whatever you just said – What do you mean? Or can you give an example of of a position or a technique or a a situation?
2: I don't, I don't have anything in particular, just, um, you know, just their composure really is, is big, you know, for being such young guys, you know, they're, they're down late and they're able to find scores or they're up big and able to put matches away. You know, I think that's the biggest thing just being able to have that composure at a young age. It's, it's huge. Um, I mean, just the skill, skill sets. I mean, these kids are doing things. It's not just single leg, high cross, double leg, run around behinds, you know, it's, it's, you know, inside trips, you know, stuff, um, stuff like that. that, that It's, it's, it's pretty impressive that what these kids are doing. I mean, you you see it at cadet level, you know, internationally a lot, you know, the Russians obviously, you know, develop guys pretty early, but um, seeing that uh, we're able to develop these kids, you know, at a young age here in the United States, I think that's, it's, it's, it's it's, uh, it's inspiring to watch. You know, I'm excited for this next generation of guys and see what they're able to do.
1: And I know you were on a 2014, you were a junior on a junior team, you had a bronze. Did you try to make, like, cadet teams prior to that? And were you, like, on this scene a- a- as a cadet? Or I guess they didn't have anything probably younger than that when you were growing up.
2: Yeah, so 2011, I think, was the first year they brought the, the cadet world championships back. And I, I made that team. Um, it was in uh, Zombethly, Hungary, you know, a town right on the border of Austria. I think they they have a couple of Greco tournaments there, but other than that, people probably would never hear hear the town. But yeah, I made a cadet team. I think I went one on one. I beat the Uzbek the first round, and then lost to a Georgian second round. Um, so obviously, it wasn't a great performance, but um, it was it was a great experience. You know, traveling overseas, you know, for the first time competing like that for the first time on on a international level, but. Yeah, that was my first experience in 2011 when they first brought that uh, U-17 or cadets back then back.
1: Sure, and, and it probably didn't have the amount of coverage, hype, information, right? The internet was still smaller and, and, and it wasn't as big of a deal. Um, but what did you, you take from it, maybe on the mat and off the mat, traveling, being overseas, getting the foreign feel? How, how was that experience for you?
2: it was it was amazing, I mean it was kind of life changing in a lot of different ways, you know just uh being able to travel overseas and gives you just a good perspective on on life and how good we have it here you know Hungary is you know a central European country they have it pretty well off compared to other places I've been in the world but um just seeing how different it is i think i t- I pick up more off the mat behind the scenes than I actually do on the mat you know and just being around all those countries you know I have countries from you know I wrestled Uzbekistan and Georgia, you know, but you have back in the warm-up area I remember you know I didn't have a warm-up partner so I was warming up with a you know a bigger guy from Mongolia you know I didn't speak Mongolian and he didn't speak English but you know wrestling is its own language you figure out you know he needs a partner I need a partner let's make it happen you know and that's kind of freaky to some people they're like oh well what if he hurts you or what if he does this it's like "Ah, I don't I don't I don't think that would ever happen you know there's too much respect in the sport you know you're both athletes you know you have a lot more in common than you think you know there's no no point in trying to hurt somebody, you know, but just being, uh, you know, like I said, back in the warm-up era, you're with, you know, every different country, it's like the Tower of Babel, you know, you don't know what's going on, you know, every different language you could possibly think of, you know, being spoke there, and just watching different countries, and how they kind of go about their business, and, and warming up, and um, getting ready to compete, you know, it was, it was pretty enlightening experience, you know, I was like, this is this is what I want to do, you know, I've always had this vision this dream of being a world Olympic champion but you know going over there in 2011 I'm like okay yeah this is actually what I want to do you know it's not like I wasn't freaked out like oh maybe maybe not maybe this isn't for me but it kind of stoked that fire in me you know it's like I'm a very I I like to think I'm a pretty cultured individual and I like being around different cultures and, and learn different things and and uh wrestling just happens to be my avenue to get that done
1: heck yeah I would definitely consider cultured um how important was that and, and and the 2014 and just any experiences you had overseas at a younger age preparing you for the senior level? And, and I know the goals when you're younger are the same, but the ultimate goal is the senior level, right? How, how instrumental were those experiences in helping shape you to to have the confidence and and know how to to say, yeah, I'm ready to go to the senior level and and, and travel the world and do it?
2: Yeah, a couple of things. I think the first thing is is just kind of breaking the ice, you know. Um, here in the United States, you're pretty familiar with the style and, and your opponents and it's 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 very familiar, right? Um, you know what you're gonna get, you know the feel, you know. Um you got some outliers, you know, I think of guys off the top of my head like a Yanni or Spencer Lee, guys like that, they're that gonna give you a little bit of a, a foreign, different type feel, you know, veto as well. But for the most part, you know, it's it's the American style, you know inside control hand fighting you know um or more more of, of a fist fight than a than a, a chess match i like to say um but then also you know a lot of these guys that you're seeing you know especially internationally that are going to u-17s u-20s you know whatever it, junior i don't even know what it is anymore cadets junior seniors yep. um you know they're the same the same guys that are winning at u-17s are a lot of times the guys that are winning in a couple of years down the road, at the senior level, you know, you remember, you know, sad July of, you know, first on the scene at, you know, at, at the younger level. And then you're like, okay, this guy something. And then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, he's winning uh, senior level uh, titles. And then I think of a guy like uh, Asgaroff. you know, he, he wrestled juniors and seniors in the same year. I think he, he might've got, he, I think he won juniors and got second in seniors uh, back when he was down at uh, 60, 60 kilos because then he wrestled Steber and he wrestled uh, Kudukov at the seniors. So, I mean, there's not a lot of difference between, especially the juniors and seniors that they're pretty close. So getting that experience, you know, and you get familiar with these guys, you know, from an early age, you know, it's the same, similar. I mean, there's some differences, but uh, the the best guys you're going to see cadets, juniors, seniors, all the way through. So getting your hands on them early, I think is, is good and just not knowing getting your hands on them, but just being familiar with, with the atmosphere and being, okay with being uncomfortable in a foreign environment. You, know, you don't have your food. Uh, it's not the same. It's, it's different everywhere you go in the world. You know, Everywhere you go in the United States, everything's pretty status quo and similar. You can find your Whole Foods, your, your whatever it might be, your Chick-fil-A or whatever, whatever your, your fix is. But yeah. overseas, um, sometimes it's hard to find normal food, quote-unquote. Um, so just being able to adapt and overcome and, and go out there and compete.
1: Have you like you mentioned Asgarov, Kadukov, and and I think a couple others? Like, have you kind of kept an eye on the international scene from from that young age of 2011 or, or 13, 14, and like who Sagilov is the other guy you mentioned, I think, and like who who the players are, and like kind of watch their careers unfold?
2: Not as good. as I probably should have. Um, more so recently, maybe in the last five years, kind of paying more attention to the the junior level guys just because you know those are the guys that are going to be the next up and coming guys you know yeah. there's a always a turnover at some point you know so you got to be ready for that turnover a guy i think of is um uh magomedov the 61 russian that won the worlds you know he was a guy that i kind of had an eye on you know when he when he's in juniors i think he wrestles fix at juniors so especially you know when you get these um really good americans that go over there and they get beat by you know, a Russian, you know, that's a, that's an example of, okay, we need to keep an eye on this guy because he's, you know, he's probably ready to go seniors at any point, you know, so sure. more so lately, but I, I haven't really kept track of anybody that I was around in 2011, 2014 um, all the way through. I mean, there's one guy I remember, um, I think it was 2013. I made a junior team. I lost to him in Bulgaria, um, Vangelov, I think it's how, how you say his name but he's still, you know, he's up at 61, but he's at the Olympics at 57 this year and uh, wrestled him one time internationally as well and lost to him uh, in Bulgaria, of course. But, um, yeah, you know, off and on, you know, more so lately.
1: Sure. Uh, and you mentioned, like, you know, the American style is the American style. For the most part, you have the Seth Grosses and, and the Outliers. Um, And, you know, fist fight versus chess match, I would – categorize yours as a pretty pretty american style right your your heavy pressure your collar tie have you has any part of you uh evolved or switched over or or morphed into the chess match a little bit
2: trying to i think um it's hard to break old habits and and teach an old dog new tricks but i think uh from not necessarily a Technical perspective, but like a tactical and strategic perspective, trying to adapt my wrestling or expand my wrestling in that sense. You know, um, just paying attention to to the feel of the match, the flow of the match, picking th- picking the pace up, drawing it back maybe at the right times. You know, picking up on his cues. Um, so definitely paying more attention um, in that sense, like like a tactical strategic perspective. Um, not much is going to really change my wrestling at this point in my life. Uh, yeah. technically, uh, I've had a lot of success. I mean, I got to just tighten down the things I do good. You know, I don't yeah. think I need to really add many things technically, maybe just buckle down certain positions and, and just really get, become expert at the positions I'm good at, but also just expanding, you know, you're always expanding your wrestling and throwing a few things in here and there, here, here and there. And, and you never know when you might need to pull a trick out of your hat. So always. Of adapting,
1: yeah, you're talking about like uh picking up on cues during a match and maybe adjusting your i think, pace or tempo and 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 I guess what I'm trying to get at is how the thought process happens during during the match, where obviously you're focused on everything in front of you, which is him and and what's happening in real time, but then like there's a part of you that probably has to process what you just said like picking up on these cues, and I and I, I don't know if there's a way to explain how you think during a match or how you pick up on cues and make these adjustments while fighting off or attacking either or what's in front of you. Does that make sense, what I'm trying yeah. to ask?
2: Yeah, uh, I'll try to get to where you're trying to get. Um I'll just start here. It's a strange dichotomy. You know, my wife's in the other room, she's going to laugh at me, but... You know, because you don't want to think too much during the match. You Oops. know, you, 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 like I always make fun of myself. You know, when I start wrestling with my mind, I always get beat. You know, but when I wrestle with my heart and my feelings and, and my emotions, I, I usually win. You know, so picking up on cues, maybe from an, an emotional perspective. You know, I'm doing this to the guy and he doesn't really like that. So I'm going to keep doing it, you know, yeah. or I'm doing this to the guy and he's kind of beating me in that position. So I'm making an adjustment. You know, so not really thinking per se, but kind of thinking, kind of with with your heart in a way, if that makes sense. Yeah. And if, if you're out there thinking, you're gonna get, you're you're gonna be a step behind. You kind of got to feel and kind of predict the future in a way. But kind of collecting data, the whole entire match. You know, maybe right out the whistle, I club the guy hard, and he just doesn't like that. You know, maybe he <laughs> does, does a little something and and looks at the ref and looks at me and wags his finger. I was like, all right, I'm gonna keep doing that. Cause he doesn't like that. You know, or um, that's just an example. Or or sometimes like, you kind of you get in a uh, situation where you kind of get in a flurry and you kind of smell blood in the water like a shark, you know, and you're just going to keep keep that flurry going, you know, because you kind of got the guy reeling and it's only a matter of time before you get to his leg or get to an underhook and push him out. So just kind of feeling those things um, and making those adjustments and like collecting data throughout the whole match.
1: Sure. And may- maybe on a similar note, but a, a little bit different, we were talking, Mike Mal was here yesterday and we were talking with Kyle about Oh, we're talking about James Green and, and and kind of coaching, right? And then like specifically coaching at an event or in a match. And, and I made the analogy of, of the UFC and when it's in between rounds and you have three coaches and and they're yelling, "Keep your hands up! Keep your hands up! Circle left! Circle left!" When he does you know, they're they're yelling a hundred things at you, and I'm like that. You just it seems like too much to process and maybe a coach tells you one thing or one or two things. Or I, I my question then is like, do you have these conversations with your coaches on how you like to be coached, whether it's in practice or in the moments leading up to the match or literally in the match or, or in the corner, are those ever conversations that you guys have?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, I remember when I first got here at Penn state, um, we did a rock fan event and I wrestled Darren Cruz and, kind of before that match you know me and coach Cody were walking around the parking lot and he's kind of like well I've never been in your corner so what are you what are you looking for you know I'm like I don't I don't really know you know you're 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 my coach now so you whatever you think what I need you know we'll just kind of make adjustments as we go and um, that was about kind of the only conversation we really had because we kind of clicked right away you know and coach Cody's really good he you know and all the coaches here they are more focused on, or they want their athletes to focus on what we do best, not really worry about what that guy does best. You know, obviously, you know, there's sometimes I come to the corner and coach Cody's like, Hey, this guy's doing this and you're not really doing what you should be doing. So just kind of little reminders, you know, it's more so just kind of keeping me um, from going crazy. You know, I come back to the corner, it's just kind of like, Hey, all right, let's take a deep breath. Let's calm down. You know, let's go get this next score and just keep putting the pressure on this guy. You know, so it's not, um like i like like you're saying you know you got three coaches in the corner you have c and they're all barking different things i think that for for me personally as an athlete that's a little overwhelming you know just tell me you know relax keep your cool circle keep your hands down don't reach you know you're good just go get the next score that's about um for me as an athlete that's about all i need you know if there's a little technical thing that the because obviously the coaches see things you know, from a 10,000 foot view, you know, that I can't feel or I'm not seeing. So maybe if there's something that I'm just, I'm reeling on something or I'm overreacting to something, they can see why or where. So they'll kind of give me a a little tip there, but you only got 30 seconds in that corner. It's not, not, not a minute. You know, there's a big difference between having a, I think it's a minute and UFC. It's a big, it's a big difference, whether it's recovery or trying to get some coaching in the corner. So a lot of the coaching happens long before that,
1: you know, right. Absolutely. Um, Okay, like, I guess competition-wise, it seems like you've been competing a fair amount. Um, And let's just say, as opposed to a guy like David, right? Taylor hasn't competed a whole lot, but you both have had a lot of success. Um, Why have you chosen to compete a significant amount or a good amount?
2: Uh, I don't know. I think I just want to compete. I I, I like competing. I like um, testing myself. I just like I just like competing that's pretty much the only reason there's no real philosophy behind um oh well I want to get x amount of matches in for the world championships and I want to work these kinks out or this kink out. I think it's just I like to compete and I want to compete when I can um, I probably would have competed a little more this year, but just you know having a having a daughter at home and, and a yeah. wife at home you know it makes things a little little different, but um those are things I really enjoy doing too, you know, so you have to find that balance of of uh that family and home life and in competition because i love them both so we gotta i kind of get the best of both worlds but yeah there's no no real reason i think that um just recently i think going to tunisia was was, was a good event just to kind of get some kinks out and um you know as uh uh you know sometimes i feel like you need bad things are going to happen one way or the other. You know, this is the way the world works and karma works. And and sometimes I feel like if I compete enough before the world championships or before a big tournament, I can get those kinks out, get those bad things out before it really matters. You know, so you guys asked me if I mind you guys pulling up that German match. That's a good example. You know, there are a couple technical things in there that I didn't do very well that I got kind of racy with. and and, um, But I think that I was going to get pinned. Regardless, you know, at some point um, in my career, uh, right now, so it was better to kind of get that out of the way before it happens. To the world championship, so is and then like um, and well,
1: I do want to watch that match in a moment, but I want to like going to the world championships is like and, and there's periodization and peaking and and all that that I'm, I assume you guys do to whatever degree, but it's like. You want the best version to show up at the worlds? to me in, when I say I'm like the be, like he's just great, he's a really good wrestler. what? Can't we have our best version all the time or or because it, it's I'm sure you always try to win, you try your hardest to win. Is there something different about the pinnacle, the, the nationals or the worlds or the Olympics where there, you're, there's a little different level of preparedness, whether it's physical or mental?
2: For sure. I mean, I think it, it's just impossible to be the best all the time. You know, you, there's always this curve, you know, you're always kind of training and you get to a peak and you come down, you have to have that ebb and flow in your training, your competition, you know, Penn state as a program is a pretty good example of that. You know, they can have um, a decent season, let's say, and then an okay big tens and they come out and just crush it at the nationals. You know, there, there's a, there's a, um, I don't want to say there's a plan to it because there's, the biggest secret about Penn State is there is no secret, yeah. right? It's just um, they know that the coaches know that it's just, it's just unrealistic to be your best every single week out, every single competition out. It's just, it's just impossible. You know, and that's a lot of stress to put on yourself to be like, I got to be perfect. I got to be the best version of me every single time out. You know, obviously that, that's, that's the, the ideal, right? But yeah. it, it's just impossible to do. Um, so I think going to tournaments like, like, um, uh, like a Tunisia, like a Pan Am, stuff like that, you're not really peaking for that. You're kind of training through it, you know, so they're, they're, you're, you're maybe not the top physical shape you're, can, um, your strength isn't quite where it needs to be. Your weight isn't quite under, not under, it's under control, but it's not quite, um, optimized yet because it's a process to get down to weight. You know, it takes, you know takes time you know to do it right so but going to those competitions you kind of get uncomfortable and and you use them as kind of training you know so Tunisia for example I keep going back to it but it was a it was it was a tournament and a ranking event and you want to win you want to do your best and you want to be the best version of yourself that's ideal but you got to understand that we weren't peaking for that we weren't really getting ready for that tournament we were using it as training to collect data you know what what Put yourself out there in an uncomfortable environment, uncomfortable position position, and let the kinks kind of show themselves. You know, let the bad habits present themselves and then come back to the drawing table and say, okay, this is what we need to work on. And once we solidify these things, once you get these things locked down, going to world championships, we're gonna be unstoppable. And so it's just kind of peace of mind too, going to these tournaments and you know, okay, I gotta it, it's humbling too. You know, it's like, oh, go out there, I'm and the man, you know, after a Final X, I get two tech falls and, and you're kind of high on your horse. And then if you just ride that into the worlds, I think you kind of get a little bit complacent. But you train through a tournament like Tunisia and you kind of um, allow the, or oh yeah, allow these guys to kind of expose some weaknesses and you come back to the drawing table and you're hungry and you're ready to, to fix these issues. Um, so that's kind of a long-winded uh, oh, explanation, perfect. but you know, just taking all that data and, and working on those things. Because if, if you don't have data, what, what is there to work on? You know, if I went from Final X right to the Worlds, you know, I have practice and there's things that present themselves in practice and practice matches and whatever. But um, what, am, what am I supposed to work on? You know, there are a couple of things there. Beto you know, got to my leg and took me down a couple of times and whatever. But there's not a lot to work on, you know, per se. You know, but I go to Tunisia and there's a lot to work on. There's a lot to lock down. And that's not – that doesn't give me anxiety. That gives me hope. You know, it's like, okay – but let's, let's, let's figure this out, you know, because I'm a, kind of a perfectionist. And I want to, you know, just do better the next time out. So um, I have a lot of data and um, a lot of things to work on, you know, on the mat, off the mat, um, both.
1: Um, And I, I feel like you, you just stilled sp- out a lot of physically, you just kind of, I, I trained through it, barely is what you said. Is is there a a difference in the in the mental approach or or where your head's at or how you feel going into a Tunisia or um, whatever versus the Super Bowl, the Worlds, the Olympics?
2: I think the mindsets the same. It's got to be the same. Otherwise, I think that's like when guys get hurt. And you're kind of looking through a competition, looking past a competition. You know, you're not really present. So that's when when guys kind of get hurt. Um, but. Um, no, the mindset's the same, but uh, in reality, it, it's not. You know, there there are a lot of other things going on, you know. Um, I don't know, actually. Sure. Ideally, the mindset's the same, right? It has to be, but in reality, it's not. So when you get to the world, that's just another kink you got to work out, okay. you know, because, you know, life isn't just on, a, on one single plane. It's not just a physical plane. There's the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual, so... Trying to work out all those kinks on the four on those four planes is part of that training phase and trying to get ready to go for the Super Bowl or the World Championships or NCAA tournament, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. Okay, makes sense. Um, Tyler, I'm talking to our producer here real quick. If you can pull up that match, and um, we'll we'll just kind of take it through it, and you can tell us what you're thinking. You kind of walk us through any thoughts or or anything here really Have
2: you ever wrestled this guy? Yeah, the semis of the World. If you haven't watched it, it's worth watching. It's it's a heck of a match. Yeah.
1: So you knew this was going to be a challenge.
2: Yeah, he, he's a he's a savvy savvy guy. How would you describe
1: like his style or his style?
2: Um, uh, I mean watching him you know, technically, he he does a couple things that are all right, but he's not a very great technical wrestler. But he's he's very strong, and he's very explosive, and he he's very gamey. Um, as you'll see, not here, but the next sequence. Now, here I gotta, you know, you gotta get two point two point takedowns here. That's just
1: one of those kinks you're talking about, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Was good wrestling right here boom Little bow action
1: yeah i don't you know so walking off the mat what do you what do you take away or or is it you just let your emotions and and then you you tech you know take take the takeaways later you know maybe you just have to feel how you have to feel
2: I mean, he, what I'm thinking right there is he got me, you know, there's not much, there's not not much to really think about it. You know, obviously you're been out of shape and upset and mad about it, you know, but I still had matches to wrestle that day. That was the, I think that was the first match. So, you know, I still had, you know, multiple matches to wrestle. I think I wrestled three more matches that day. So um, you got to kind of have a short memory and just put it behind you and go get the next one. You know, luckily it was a, a weird Nordic bracket where it was a round robin and then he went to the pool or the pools and the bracket and then cross bracket and whatever. So I was able to come up on top there and he got hurt so he didn't able wasn't able to wrestle all the way through the tournament. So I would've liked to have that one back. But I'd rather not wrestle him if he's hurt because you know that's just not not really fair, you know, for me and my ego. You know, I don't want to beat a guy when he's hurt. You know, I wanna beat a guy when he's at his best to get him back then. Um yeah there are a couple things you know just there technically you know uh, i'm not very good i'm good upper body if it's my position you know with the underhook pushing securing the other side but you know coming up off the leg like that in that position and trying to cut a guy back that's not really my position so i should have stayed down on the leg and and ran the pipe and just converted a a single leg leg attack takedown but i try to go you know take him to his back for four because he's going that way but you know that was his position you know it's a perfect example of uh you know, something that Coach Cody and Coach Kale talk about. You know, if it's not your position, just get out of there. If I drop his leg and I score no points there, that's fine. At least I didn't get pinned, you know. So just staying where I'm good, you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of little lessons in that in that little sequence. But uh, the biggest one is just get two-point takedowns and stay on the leg or let go of the leg, one or the other.
1: Sure. And so, like, this information that you just kind of broke down and analyzed – I and mean, that was maybe my question with earlier when 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 do you do that right is it in germany is it during the tournament is it on the way home or is it when you get back in the wrestling room in pennsylvania like when you know when do you put this together and, and start breaking it down right away or a, a little later
2: yeah immediately i think i came off of that and me and coach cody you know talk and like hey this is what i think and he tell me tells me what he thinks and you kind of address it and how we're going to fix it and he's kind of close the book on it for now because you got three more matches to wrestle and you finish your matches. And after the tournament, we talk about it and we come back to the, you know, the room and we talk about it a little bit, but not too much more. You know, I'm always, you're always kind of thinking about it, but you don't want to dwell on it. You know, there's a fine line there between dwelling on it because that's not the only position I'm going to, you know, that's going to cost me a world championship. There are a bunch of other positions that happen in that, in that tournament more so, uh, match awareness and, and solidified matches that are that are going to be the difference. So, you know, addressing it, but not not dwelling on, not being obsessed with it. You know, he pinned me, he beat me. So, I'm mean, so what? You know, Let's just get better and just get better. You know, it's not about not really about winning or losing. You know, I, I'm mad to lose that way because I I made a mistake and I wasn't I didn't wrestle very good. You know, that that's what's more upsetting. You know, it's not that I got beat. You know, that that doesn't really. Mattered me so much anymore you know it's it's not about winning or losing it's just being the best version of myself and i wasn't the best version of myself so that's why it's upsetting you know so and i believe if i'm the best version of myself then i can't be beat and that's not arrogant that's just how i feel
1: i i think that's great i love that i love that attitude um and i want to bring i, I know we, we did chat about this at final x but it was like in a short interview right right after the press conference and it's it basically russia um it doesn't look like they're going to be there, right? and who knows how long this thing goes on um, is that is that disappointing to you not the political side, the wrestling side and probably wanting to see Guye again and, and 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 get another crack at him
2: yeah, I think it's I mean I think it's also disappointing from a political perspective as well, but yeah um, we'll start from the from the top um i i think uh, I think that they'll be there you know this year um yeah i think so so they're able to compete in their judo world championships and they're lobbying uww and they're trying to get usa wrestling and, and some guys on usa wrestling to kind of go to bat for them to get them to be able to um wrestle the world championships so it it's, it really comes down to uww's decision um so I would not be surprised whatsoever if they're able to compete. I mean, if you look at some of the stuff on Instagram and and these Russian websites, I mean, they're getting ready to go. I mean, what are they getting ready for to go for? Uh, probably the World Championships, because they, I mean, they're, they're they're getting ready to go. Like, don't don't think that they're not. You know, regardless if they wrestle or not, they're, they're they're getting ready to go. So what's that mean for us? We got to be ready to go for them. You know, and from just an athlete's perspective, you know. Obviously, I want that match back with Uboev, Um but he's not the only guy that's able to be a contender at that weight. Um, and from a team perspective, you know, we don't want to win the worlds without Russia there because that kind of feeds their propaganda, you know, in yeah. a way. Oh, they they won that's because we weren't there. And you know, don't don't feed the Soviet propaganda machine. Um, it's just unfortunate, I think, that um, there are plenty of things that the Russians are doing within sport that. They can be uh, punished for. I'm not accusing it; it's fact. You know that there's some illegal goings on. Uh, I'm not saying that it, it happens in wrestling, but would it surprise me? Probably not. You know, it, it's a it's a state system. You know, and they do what the what the government kind of tells them to do, and that's that's how it is. You know, so let's punish these athletes for what they're doing wrong, not what they're not doing wrong. You know, they, they didn't have a choice. You know, they didn't go to vote in the voting booth and say, hey, yeah, let's go invade Ukraine. You know, they, they, they probably don't want to do that as much as we don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And I just set, think it sets a bad precedent because what happens when, um, you know, our war machine gets fired up again and we go to war with somebody, and does that mean we're not going to be able to compete at the world championships because we invaded a sovereign nation? You know, um, I just think it sets a very bad precedent for sport. You know, sport is something you know, not just sport, but wrestling in particular is something that brings people together, you know, there's this mutual respect, you know, you shake hands at the beginning, you shake hands at the end, you know, you don't have to like the guy, you don't have to like their politics, you don't have to like anything about them, but you respect them, you respect them as a person, as an athlete, as an individual, and I think we need that in our world right now, things that kind of bring us together, and the sport of wrestling is is the only sport, correct me if I'm wrong, that you can have Russia, the United States, Iran, all in one warm-up area, North Korea, all in one warm-up area, and World War 3 doesn't break out. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's pretty unique. You know, there's no, like, tampering of substances in the back, you know. It, it's just, um, it's very unique. You know, at the Olympic Games, it, it was literally in one little cubby area where the staging areas is, is United States, Russia, and Iran, all in the same block. So we had to walk by each other brush shoulders smell each other whatever you know and and, and, it, and it's cordial you know not you yeah. don't like each other right but but it's cordial and We respect each other um and and we need more of that in the world we don't need this division that these politicians are trying to you know make up you know there, there's plenty of that going on you know let's just uh let's just wrestle and and bring the world together so let, let's let's let them wrestle you know whoever uww listen this like let's well, let them wrestle who cares they didn't do anything wrong investigate them for what they're doing wrong i like it so you you think
1: if you had to i'm not asking to place money but if you you know somebody said you got to put a hundred dollars on are they coming or are they not to the world championships this year do would you do you suspect they will be there
2: well i I don't bet i don't bet. that's why i said uh, hypothetical
1: it's hypothetical. Uh, but what's your gut say? I How mean, about that? No bets aside. What's your gut say? Am I am
2: I am I getting ready ready to wrestle Boyle? Yes, hundred percent. Sure, of course. Yes.
1: All right, man. That ex- you you've actually got me excited because I I would I'd like to see them there as much as probably you and, and the rest of the guys on the team. We don't want to win when they're not there because they are good and but they are beatable. Um. So I kind of just got to sit here and think for a second. Holy crap, they might come. You just flip my world upside down, Thomas. Thank you. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> all right. Um, I, I speaking of Russia, but all this stuff aside, how's your your speaking coming along? I think you were you were learning a little bit of Russian and German, or was it just German?
2: Well, I, German. I'm still studying German, but Russian. I kind of uh, I don't really have enough time to, to pursue the Russian right now, but okay. I, I I can be polite enough you know i can say hello good evening good night yeah when's breakfast <laughs> just I, those are just things i picked up when i was over there in dagestan because i mean i had to because no one there spoke english right so mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it's uh just catchphrases in sure. russian
1: no no long drawn uh conversations like this
2: No, no, not even
1: close. Yeah. Not even close. Okay. Um, Okay. I kind of, I want to switch gears now because I think, I think at some point you said maybe you're even a few years back, you considered hanging it up, but you've kind of re, obviously things are going really well. How far ahead do you look or think, right? Obviously 2024 is on your radar. I I assume is 2028. um, Or is it, you take it like a quad at a time to think about how long you might want to compete.
2: I take it day by day. Okay. To be honest. Um, obviously, you know, uh twenty twenty four is is within range and it, it's like right around the corner. But um I don't I don't like to take things in, in too big a bites. you know. I think that's when people kinda get uh I don't drive themselves crazy in a way. You know, maybe I wake up, you know, after the worlds and I'm like yeah, I just maybe I want to coach, maybe I wanna do something else, maybe I'm don't wanna compete, maybe I wanna move up a weight class, maybe i want to wrestle Greco maybe you 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 don't know you know I'm not I'm not throwing lines out to to anything I'm just saying
1: yeah
2: um you just take it day by day you know because I have a strong passion for competing right now and I love to compete and I want to keep competing but you know I'm I'm not delusional you know I'm not going to set a a, a marker on I'm not going to set a date like I'm going to compete until this time that I'm done or whatever it is I'm just taking it day by day as long as I enjoy it and I wake up and my body feels good and God allows me to be injury free and and work through injuries, I'll keep competing, you know? But, um, you know, life is a lot bigger than just the sport of wrestling, you know? I have a daughter and wife and dogs and chickens at home, you know, so, um, I don't know, we'll see. I'm not gonna put a date on it.
1: Sure, and so maybe maybe this, maybe you already answered this This as like, I don't know the answer. Do you have any clue of what you would want to, is it, after you've done competing, right? Coaching, business world, full-time father, something else? Or we're taking it day by day and we'll figure that out later?
2: A little bit of both. I think that uh, depends on the day. You know, I, I really love wrestling. I really love kind of the tech, technical aspect of wrestling. And because I, I do believe I'm still getting better at wrestling. And I'm never going to be, you know, you're all, like even guys like Coach Kale, or Coach Gable, Coach Brand Smith, you know they're all still getting better at the sport of wrestling, and they they've been there, done that. The biggest, the biggest accolades, you know. So my ego kind of tells me I can't ever get out of wrestling, whether it's coaching. You know that would be the next step, you know, because I'm going to keep getting better, and I want to keep getting better because I'm hungry. But um, you know, it's kind of the other things outside of the wrestling room that kind of turn me off from coaching. You know, if it's college wrestling, you know, it's like dealing with the extracurriculars of of college. Age men, you know, yeah. um, dealing with administrative stuff and whatever. And then, you know, I talk to my wife sometimes about that, and she's like, Well, it's a, it's a job. You know, you can't love every aspect of your job. There's going to be certain parts of your job that you don't really love, you know? So it's like, Oh, well, yeah, it's, it is a job, and benefits would be good, and get to do what I love, and whatever. But then sometimes I think, Well, maybe I want to do something outside of wrestling. Maybe I want to start a business. You know, maybe I wanna go start a coffee shop somewhere. Maybe I wanna <laughs> do a regenerative farm, you know. Um being a being a full time dad, I think of like a stay at home dad, that's that's a lot of work. I'd have to um put in some uh some more work in my patients. Uh, I, I I do okay, but um <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not I'm not my wife. <laughs> so I I'd have to work at that, but I'm just kinda of being funny.
1: Uh, man, Parenting's tough, and you're like, you know, what are you? Six months, eight, five, six months. Like the first year is probably the toughest.
2: Yeah, she'll be eight months this month. So, all right. So what's she just doing? Starting she's, to get. She crawls. What's she doing? She's crawling, climbing, falling, attacking the dogs, trying to catch the cat, <laughs> eating. You know, it's 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 crazy. Every day is like a new adventure for her and us. You know, it's like she wakes up today and she's doing new noises and babbling and doesn't stop making noises. Like, is she crying? No, she's not. It's fun. It's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done is trying to, trying to be a parent. It's, uh, it's the, definitely the hardest, but definitely the most rewarding as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, you know, coaching is not the only avenue. You could become, I don't know, a wrestling analyst or an announcer Flow wrestling personality, Thomas Gilman. You never know. Trying to hire me? Well, not yet. You, I, I want you to go win world titles and Olympic titles, but you know, who knows down the
2: line. Yeah, you're right. You're and, right. And yeah, there could be new
1: new things that pop up in the next, right? It wasn't a thing 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Right. So.
2: I don't know. It could yeah, be the I'm next thinking thing. too narrowly, I guess.
1: Yeah, come on. You got to broaden your horizons here,
2: Thomas. I know. That's why I'm here. to Get cultured a little bit on the, <laughs> the media side of wrestling. Maybe that's yeah. something I go into. Yeah, well, hopefully it
1: just continues to get bigger and bigger because that's that's you know just better for everyone. Uh, maybe yeah. here's something, and this isn't necessarily media, but it's more on the presentation. You know, there was criticism, right, about Final X. Maybe the 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 setup. The is it too long of a day? Should it be more days? Should it be less? Uh, venues? Should it be more venues? Do you have any thoughts on this? And, and how, you know, because they were long, long days. Right? I think they started at two in the afternoon, and there was a long session, and then a shorter session at night. But is, is that anything you give much thought to? You know, the presentation of this for, or how people consume it, or how to make it more fan friendly.
2: I think there's just got to be a little more. Not saying that there's no, not a lot of thought, because obviously there's a lot of thought that goes into the production and the arenas and the setup and the timing, but I just think there's got to be a lot of, a lot more thought, you know, because if you look at, just look at the USA wrestling schedule this year, and you went from U S open to last chance qualifier to world team trials to final exit, two different venues. So just from a financial perspective, um, you know, I, I'll, I mean, I think things are maybe changing. You know, I talked to Dave and Dave kind of disagrees with me and he's probably right because he's more involved in wrestling than I am in this area. But I always viewed it as a bull collar sport, working class sport. And so like, why, why do you get sell out arenas for NCAA tournament? Well, because you can take your family, buy one hotel room for one weekend. You can, it's three days of straight wrestling and get gobs and gobs of good matches. Just Just one weekend, take one weekend off work. But it's hard to grow freestyle wrestling when people don't really know what to do or what to go to. Um, and there's five different events and blah, blah, blah. And also for the RTCs, it's hard to so, I me, mean, especially in RTC like Nittany Line Wrestling Club. People are like, oh, well, you guys got Go Bucks. It's like, well, maybe compared to Joe Schmo RTC, but money is not free. You know, we still have to fund these athletes to go to the open, the, the last chance qualifier, the trials, Final X, Final X. I mean, we had athletes work going every different direction and coaches too, you know. So I, I don't know the answer. Um, that's just my one critique. I think uh, Stillwater was, was interesting because you had, I, I believe you had the softball um, World Series or, or trial regionals or something going on. And so there, there's a kind of an overlap of events. I think that's hard, too. You know, you get some, you know, the weather's starting to get nice down there, and you get some local families like, well, do we want to sit in the gym for eight hours today, or do we want to go sit outside and drink beer and, and watch some softball? They probably have zero care about softball and more care about wrestling, but they don't want to be stuck in a gym for eight hours. So they're going to go watch softball and drink beer, sure. you know. Um I don't know. New York was better. You know, I was, I was, happy to see that, you know, New York had a good, a good, um, good full arena. And I thought that was, that was smooth. I think the other thing with, with Stillwater it was weird that they, they took an extra hour of break to do the, the um, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. It's, it's, that's cool, I guess. But you know, those guys that are getting inducted to in the Hall of Fame. You know, got inducted. he doesn't want to be doing that. He, he's got work to do. You know, he's a coach. You know, he's a workout partner for Kyle Snyder. You know, he doesn't want to be dividing his attention and going to be a show pony. He's a workhorse. You know, let him do his work. You know. Um, I think maybe that's a cool thing for people that are outside the sport, but the guys that actually are getting inducted and have done the work and been in the trenches, they don't care about the the pomp and fame and, and glory of it. You know, it's just it's just an it's just a thing, you know, who cares? Sure. You know, and now I'm being um, <laughs> well, okay. critical of, of the hall of fame. I'm not trying to be, but it's just that extra hour, you know, and then, you know, I hear from my family and my wife, you know, it's like, well, why, why did we need a break? You know, why did we need a break? Why couldn't we have done a match? You know, whatever the rest time is, if it's, you know, it's 20 minutes, we had plenty of time to run right into the next match, you know? And then, you know, a lot of these matches like J.O. And, and Rutherford, they went three matches. You know, a couple of those matches went three matches. That's a long, that's a long time. So I think if you just take out the break to start, I think that that's way better. Just just run it through, you know, because I think people will want a shorter event with higher intensity instead of a longer event with lower intensity. Because you run right into that second, third match, that intensity is high, yeah. really high. I think the arena will will feed off it. Sure.
1: And, and I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. We don't, none of us knows what the answer is. I think the reason that the NCAA is so popular is because is the team affiliations, right? Yeah. I love Penn state. I love Iowa. I love Cornell. I love Missouri. I love whatever, right? Oh, I went to this school. I can identify with cheering for this team, whether or not I'm completely familiar with everyone. So I think there's right. that's, that's part of the built-in deal with the NCAA. And it's just, it's, it's such an awesome tournament It's run well. And it's, 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 really it's been the same right two sessions a day thursday friday saturday for i've been going for 20 something years but i'm sure even longer than that klingman has it changed in ever, ever since you've been going klingman's probably been going since the 80s
0: not since 80s 95 but anyway. i mean it was two day at one point and of course back in the 1928 it wasn't three days and there was only 40 <laughs> competitors but it's it's a it's a staple event it's a staple event, no doubt.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. Do you, and we're kind of. Do you have any thoughts on on what we were talked about? Well, any of it, but specifically how to make freestyle more
2: appealing. Quit changing the rules? Oh, that too. <laughs> I mean, folk style rules they change, but for the compared to freestyle, folk style is pretty easy to understand, which is crazy. You know, you think freestyle would be a little easier to understand, but. You know, you, you get, you know, with the cautions. And I mean, we have, we go to camp and we're having meetings with the referees because we, as world team members, world champions, Olympic gold medalists, whatever world champion coaches don't know the rules. We don't know the rules. I mean, we know the rules, but we don't know the rules. We, we yeah. go to the tournament. We think we know the rules and we're giving up points and we're like, well, what the heck is going on? And they're like, well, well, here. You know, this is why, why, why. It's like, well. How are you supposed to explain it to to the average fan when you yourself don't even know the rules? You know, I come off the ma- or, you know come off off a tournament, and my, um, my wife's like, "Well, what happened here? I thought that this was one and this should be a caution or whatever." I'm like, "I, I have no idea. I don't know what we're, we're trying to figure that out." Be- and the other thing is, we call things different in the United States than we do internationally. You know, because I, I don't know why. I don't. I'm, I don't think it's that we have the refs are any lesser than the international refs. It's just, I don't think that our referees get enough international experience um, to call it the way, you know, they kind of call it like a folk style match as far as the cautions and and passivities and and certain things go, you know? So I think that's that's an issue too. I think if you want to grow freestyle, just quit changing the rules so much. You know, every year they're changing them and making minuscule adjustments in the rules that they think is going to clarify it, but actually puts more power in the referee's hands and they're making you know, throwing points up and you don't even know where they're coming from.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. The grounded thing is is one of my biggest step out, grounded did he was he you see the same scenario and maybe between the same two wrestlers called differently match to match or maybe even period to period where okay, he was on his knees, he went out, nothing. Now he's on his knees and it goes out and it's one. That's one of the more frustrating ones to me. But uh
2: Yeah, it's it's I mean give the refs the benefit of the doubt you know the the wording in the rule book is not super clear either and when you get you know we've all been in the stress of the moment you just you know you don't really remember how you called it so you call it and that's why they have three referees but i i don't know it's it's that that's like the most glaring issue is the out-of-bounds rule and you know fleeing fleeing the hold now is kind of a weird one if i push a guy out of bounds and he doesn't hold his ground is that caution and two or is just one is it two and one um if he goes to his knees is that part tear does he go back down and then do you get cautioned I, it's just you who know, i mean there's uber scenarios that you, it's called like you're saying different every single time throughout the match
1: yeah i completely agree Lee. um and i and as we wind through this interview uh i am going to bring kyle back in and and he's got a set of questions really he's gonna try to stump you So we're going to let Kyle take it over.
2: Yeah,
0: that's our game called Sweat It Out. I have five questions. Thomas, are you ready to play? Yeah, let's go. All right, number one, who was the last native-born Iowan before you to win a world championship? Dan Gable. You got it. 1971. Number two, who is considered to be the only six-star general in U.S. history?
2: Oh, six-star general. I have no idea. I want to say Patton, but they killed him off too soon.
0: No, it's not him. George Washington is was given the General of the Armies of the United States tab, which uh, many consider to be a six-star general. So it's George Washington, our first president. Uh, number three, who is the only American to win an Olympic gold medal in weightlifting? What?
2: Men's or women's? Only
0: one. Well, Coach Casey's only.
2: wife got silver, but then the lady tested positive. So I think she's an Olympic gold medalist in weightlifting.
0: That's correct. Casey Cunningham's <laughs> Ham's wife, Tara Knott Cunningham, oh. was the only Olympic gold medalist in weightlifting. And oh. they, they nixed that sport, by the way. So it's no longer a sport. So she will uh, forever number, be the only. If she will. That's Unless correct. Unless I bring her back. Number four, what identical twins from Council Bluffs, Iowa, made U.S. World teams?
2: From Council Bluffs? Mm-hmm. Wait. My, I, I think I know the answer, but I don't know if they're technically from Council Bluffs, Carter Lake, or Sheldon, Iowa brands.
1: No. No. Is it uh, uh, my twin? A 2010-
0: twin. Yep.
1: Who? Give it a year. Give me the year. I think, is it like
0: 2010? Yeah, in the 2010-ish. they Oh, made oh, oh,
2: Paulson's. There we yeah. go.
0: There we go. You got it. A little nudge. All right. And number five, what U.S. wrestler won a silver medal in the 57-kilogram weight class, which is your weight class, the 1972 Olympics, and was killed in a car wreck immediately following oh. the Olympics?
2: Oh, I can picture him. Give me a second. Um... Long hair kind of reminds me of Dan Dennis. What the heck is his name?
0: Uh, um. Why didn't it remind you of Mark? He has long hair. <laughs> Stop. <Huh? laughs> it's not, I'm
1: not quite as wild. That's like a more of a wild look, right? Not, yeah, less
2: yeah, uh, Oh, I, I comb I, my hair. I, I, I can picture him. I, I, I'm not going to get his name. Okay.
0: His name is Rick Sanders.
2: Rick Sanders. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right. So, Three out of five? Three out of five. All right. Yeah. That's Pretty good. Enough. I mean, at least he uh, knew he kind of was in the ballpark in the last one there. So. Well, he knew. He just couldn't the name. Yeah, in just case he just couldn't get the name. Could have phoned a friend or something. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Okay, last thing. Totally unrelated. I, maybe I'm hearing in the back. Is the baby right there? Can we see your daughter?
2: Yeah. Jane, you want to say hi? sweets are you the? You want to see the laptop? Oh, yeah. Let's see the laptop here.
1: Let's see. There oh, we go.
2: Sheep. Oh, Father That's Gilman. Sophia. <laughs> Jade okay, right Sophia. Jade Sophia? These guys. Jade Sophia, yeah. Hi. Look, oh, he kind of looks like dad.
1: Hi. Yeah, he's got a
2: hi. Got a beard and dark hair. <laughs> Show him your personality a little bit. Come on. She gets shy.
1: Yeah, she they're gets all, shy. They're all shy. I got 11 month old. Shy as can be
2: oh, think, huh? That's, That's awesome. She's our little, our little, gem.
1: That's awesome, man. How much? Uh, how much she weigh? Do you know? Um, maybe like, well, she like eleven pounds or something.
2: She was fourteen pounds, so maybe fifteen ish. Maybe 15, 16 pounds. She was fourteen at her last appointment a okay. month ago. So, she's tiny.
1: Yeah. Well, I got a eleven month old. He's the same size. So. <laughs> oh really? Super tiny. Yeah, she takes after me. Um, how about this? Would you would would you want? Her, I know it's early, right? Do you want her to wrestle, or would you like it if she wanted to wrestle, or would you be like, nah, I don't want to wrestle.
2: Well, whatever she wants to do. I mean, if she yeah. wants to wrestle, we're supported If not, great. I mean, I think women's wrestling is really growing, and there's a lot of good opportunities for women's wrestling now, thanks to you know some of these women coming through now, kind of yeah. trailblazing. You know, so if she wants to wrestle, that's great. If not. No big deal either. Awesome. Whatever she wants to do.
1: Cool. There she is. There's that personality. <laughs> got that big smile, There's man. There's a
2: smile. Cool. All
1: right, man. Well, well, we'll let you get back and enjoy some family time, um, but we'll give you the final word. Anything you want to say about anything, Thomas?
2: No, I don't. Um, going to Serbia here in about a month, so stay tuned for that. We got a great team, you know, up and down the lineup. We got Couple of new faces in there, but a few new old faces as well, and some very old faces. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we got a great team, and I'm excited, excited for us, you know, to go out there and just wrestle hard. And I think if we all um, do our part and wrestle our best and just wrestle our hearts out, I think we'll, we'll take care of business.
1: Yeah, man, I- I've said it before, but this is I-, I really feel like it's a golden era of USA Wrestling has come back around. I think there's six guys on the team who have won gold. Five or six um so it's it's amazing so
2: yeah it's, it's a it's a good team
1: we're looking forward to it thomas thanks so much uh it's always always awesome and, and a joy talking to you great to meet your daughter say goodbye uh for your daughter and your wife and everybody else have a great day and uh best of luck in serbia man
2: yeah thank you thanks, for having right.
1: thanks man yep have a great day we'll see you All right, folks, there it is. Thomas Gilman, returning world champion, uh, father, and all-around good guy. So that's going to do it. Uh, For Kyle Klingman, I am Mark Bader. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. Adios.